recording on my end. Hello. I am recording on cool. my end as well. We're going to have so many different recordings. Nice. <laughs> We're covered. All about safety yeah. here. We're the Geico of podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One time I recorded an episode of our, of me and Chloe's podcast where for some reason it sped all of our audio up to like four times speed. So an hour and 20 minutes of recording was condensed into 20 minutes. And I don't know why to this day, Jesus Christ. but whenever I think of like, yeah, it was just, I was just like, what is this? Why is this happening? That is terrifying. I think it was just me talking. It was like, they were fine. We all had separate, we all had separate recordings. So it was like, they're recording for fine before it somehow my recording had me talking at That's four okay. times speed. The last episode we recorded with uh, with Audrey, we did Malignant, and uh, mm. I did the entire episode with my webcam audio without knowing, and that episode goes out tomorrow. Oh, my. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, so that's very, very good. I've had, I've had a webcam audio episode. I mean, we're having a working off my uh, headphones episode yeah, today, so, you know. It's fine. Uh, sounds great to me. Yeah. Sounds great to me. Recording. Cool, cool, cool. This is the podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to something <laughs> terrible. We're already Hello. we're in the show. <laughs> Should we clap so that we can like sync our? Audio? Oh yeah. No, it's okay. No, we're, we're good. We're good. It. I can we're take care it. of it. <laughs> okay. Morgan's a genius. Bold man. decisions being made. We're all about it. Uh, this is what Jonathan Larson would have wanted. This is what Jonathan Larson would have wanted. Is it? <laughs> Batman is far too. Uh, uh, perfectionist and maybe a bit full of himself who wanted this. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna pretend it. Pretend our. He's the future of musical theater, guys. The future yeah. of musical theater, which I'm gonna say it now. I want someone to revive Superbia and put it on Broadway because that oh, soundtrack I would love slaps. That. Yeah, I would love to see. I'm so fascinated. I'm. I can't guarantee I will like it because, like, I mean, they might have just pulled the best songs mm-hmm. to show us and also we have no context what the story is no, that's true but i'm fascinated by it <laughs> i think it would be it would be so cool also uh tick tick booms the movie this week guys uh, you saw the title when you, the, oh. when you click the podcast you saw the title you know what we're talking about what if it just played what if they just were like listening to one thing and then it skipped on to the next thing well then you should know it's what us. If this wasn't an active choice you should know it's yeah, us and you're gonna get some yeah. some wild bullshit uh directed by lin-manuel miranda who i have gone from being a big fan of to I've listened to his music. I don't really have a opinion on him anymore. I I told Zach when uh, he invited me to record this episode, which also, if anyone's listening to this and my audio's bad, I'm sorry, my microphone wasn't working. So we're getting <laughs> headphone audio today, boys. <laughs> but uh, when he invited me, he was like, oh, do you want to talk about Tick, Tick, Boom? And I was like, yes, I would like to rip into lin Miranda's directorial <laughs> choices for however long it takes us. <laughs> it's just like it's good it's like this weird combination of stage of like broadway and of Mm -hmm. hollywood movies that i don't think there's a lot of there's a lot of choices being made here Mm -hmm. some of them i i respect the attempt like the reality with making movies is you know especially when you're a first-time director but really at any time like 
it's hard to know what does and doesn't work in like totally until it's already done. And by that point, it point no return. So there's things where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if he likes this decision. He might see it and be like, that was the wrong choice. Um, and there's going to be other things that I don't like that, you know, maybe he does like who can say Morgan. Yeah. Maybe he's right. I think, I I think, I think my experience with Lynn Mill, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda, um, is a lot more limited. I think the only, the only other like touchstone I have is, I know I know that fucker did Hamilton, and I know that sure. he also did the he did the soundtrack for Encanto, right? Yeah, he and, Moana. and Moana, and and Moana. Okay, okay. I think Moana is the one that I haven't seen, but I've seen Encanto yeah. multiple times. Um, have I you seen In the Heights? In the Heights is fucking incredible. I've I have not seen In the Heights either. I've heard good things about In the Heights, and good so music. like, and sort of like that point. Um, the reason I haven't seen Hamilton is because like. At least for me, and I guess this might be helpful for like uh, my uh, the context I have for like musicals in general. Mm-hmm. I, I really like musicals. I'm very selective sure. about my musicals. Uh, most of the time, just because like sometimes the hokey like cheesiness and like the very like since like the sincerity of a musical um, mm-hmm. doesn't come through to me the same way. I feel like in Tick Tick Boom, it totally did. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, I before we continue on with this, I would yeah, just like to say ahead. to that comment that the sincerity doesn't come through for you um coward (laughs) (laughs) and that's fair like that's really fair and you know this is also coming from someone who was like a really big fan of uh of sweeney todd back in the day shout out um never seen it there you go yeah and like like i said i i like a good musical at times we did Mm -hmm. we we, at one point in time and and, you know we did do an episode of repo the genetic opera but um, and I do enjoy those things, but Hamilton especially is just like, hey mm-hmm. man, this look, I, look, I, I know a lot of people probably really like Hamilton, but whenever I look at Hamilton and see Hamilton, I'm like, yeah, this kind of feels like it was made by millennials who love to sing on TikTok. Um, and, and yeah. That's the Jake Novak's. That's a TikTok reference for y'all. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, he wants to be the next Hamilton cast member. <laughs> Christ. Um, I... I I loved Hamilton when it came out. Mm-hmm. As, did um, I, as I saw it, it I great. yeah, I listened. To, I, I've seen it twice. Um, I listened to it basically nonstop for months when uh-huh. I first non-stop. started. Like yeah, yeah. Um, I still think Hamilton is in many ways a good thing. Like not necessarily in terms of like for the world. I don't know about that. <laughs> sure, but um, like uh, as a piece of art. There are lots of things I think Hamilton is good at. I think that like its musical writing is very good. I think if it was a story completely detached from history, um, and you're just taking it as a story at face value, like I know people who are like, "Oh, the music's like n- not as good as we make it out to be" and stuff. And like you know, people are allowed to change their minds. You know, just because someone liked it when they first heard it does not mean that they're required to still like it. You know, that's totally valid. Um, I still think it's very good music. But there is there is a cringe to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There there's an optimism that I think a lot of us had when Hamilton came out about the world and the government and America that mm-hmm. shriveled up and died. Mm-hmm. Um, and like to a degree, we should have seen that coming. Yeah. Um, and in other ways, to a degree, like I understand how you know. This was made in the hopeful Barack Obama age where we were like, maybe this is like the beginning of steps towards things being better overall. Um, not that Obama was like great, just like, you know. Yeah. There, there was the possibility of it being like 
a swing in a certain direction, mm -hmm. and then it fully did not. Yeah, they went the opposite right. direction completely. Uh, uh -huh. you, talked, you talked about um, Sweeney Todd earlier, or you just mentioned it. Mm -hmm. uh, Sondheim, been yeah. a real big fan since I watched Tick, Tick, Boom for the first time. And Bradley Whitford as Sondheim is weird great, casting great that I love. I don't really... What's amazing to me is that, like, at the end, sorry, do you want to continue your thought? I fully interrupted you. I, I wasn't much of a thought. I was just, Bradley Whitford as Sondheim was cool. I liked that. Also, this movie he was. coming out when it did, and Sondheim dying, what, like, two weeks later? Two maybe? weeks later. Yeah. It just, I think that adds a little more impact to the, the movie as a whole. Cause it's just... I agree 100%. Real good. Also, like, they have the same voice. Mm -hmm. Like, you hear a recording of actual Steven Sondheim at the end of this movie, and oh, I did cool. not realize that wasn't Bradley Whitford. That's very cool. It's, Wait, it's... so, so, okay, so we brought Bradley Whitford, um, mm. and Zach, you said Sweeney Todd. What is Bradley Whitford? Bradley Whitford was in Sweeney Todd? No, no, so Bradley Whitford plays Steven Sondheim, who wrote Sweeney Todd. Oh, Steven Sondheim wrote Sweeney Todd. He wrote okay, Sweeney that's Todd. Something, yeah. wrote that's Company, something I didn't he wrote. know. Gypsy. Incredible. Okay. A bunch of other sick. Hero, which is you know a title that we. Yep, that happened. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's bad. It's really bad. Um, yeah. And also, when you look at when you look at like Rent, we did Rent on the podcast. He mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. two years ago now. Um, yeah. Hearing Sondheim's music and his stuff, and then hearing what um, Jonathan Larson wrote for Rent, it's very similar. And kind of the how chaotic it is, and I think mm -hmm. the movie has bits like that where it it almost feels like a Sondheim, like the beginning of the Sunday scene, which is a whole thing we'll talk about in a little bit because that Sunday scene I have thoughts on. Mm -hmm. As do I. <laughs> but I just think that the direction and the way the movie is shot and the way the movie goes through, it almost feels like a Sondheim opener, like the opener to Company. It's very just mm -hmm. a lot of chaotic moments, and then there's just like serenity, which I, I love a lot. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us back here to this cast because we got to talk about Andrew Garfield. Oh yeah, who brilliant man, brilliant, yeah. like the best part. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, oh, the, best, the best part yeah. of this movie. Um, good God, uh, just like, and I, I guess like t still touching on Andrew Garfield, but the the opening song thirty ninety. Um, mm -hmm. shout out or first of all shout out to this banger of a fucking soundtrack I think that's really what like drew me in the most because another thing about musicals is I just have a super hard time enjoying a lot of the music uh, and finding it like mm -hmm. actually like something I would listen to I've been listening to the soundtrack all day while I worked um, and the fact that Andrew Garfield comes in uh, wasn't even like a, like a, a trained singer and uh, he comes in and like tears it the fuck up as mm -hmm. as only Andrew Garfield will, you know, um, is just so so fucking impressive. Especially like after like after you get the knowledge that he was not a uh, a singer at all before this. Like just incredible stuff. Like did a great job. I I think it also. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Thank you. I think it also helps a lot that like he's playing. It's kind of the La La Land thing, but I think done better. Mm. Of like because he's playing a person who's not supposed to be a singer inherently oh. like that's not his thing yeah it's a lot easier to also forgive any like slight weaknesses in his performance like in his vocals because he's you know a newly trained singer right but instead of making it feel like oh well why didn't you get someone better it feels a lot more like yeah 
he's not supposed like he is yeah. playing a character who is not meant to be the world's greatest singer right. that's not what he's pursuing yeah yeah so i'm able to watch it and be like yeah like andrew garfield is like a good voice i really enjoy this but i'm not expecting like a broadway oh, like top tier mm-hmm. vocal performance yeah and, and you know what? In his defense, though, like even so, like he has so much control of his voice. <laughs> like, oh, it's great. It's, it's so, so good. it's so impressive. Like, it's just crazy. And I don't think I see anybody else playing Jonathan Larson because I think, oh, man. Unless, at least an actor that is known, which like you can't do this movie without a known actor because it just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'd be able to get people to watch it. But I don't see anybody except for Andrew Garfield playing Jonathan Larson because they they look similar enough. The mannerisms mm-hmm. when they play the recordings of Larson compared to Andrew Garfield are incredible. The way that he's able to mm-hmm. basically become him is just awesome. And just this cast in general is great. It's mainly it's mainly John, it's Andrew Garfield, a bunch of Broadway superstars, basically the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Or Broadway veterans, basically, like um Robin De Jesus, who I think should have nominated for an Oscar, wasn't. It's whatever. Also Andrew yeah, Garfield should have won best actor. Was- but yeah, his performance was great. Yeah. Who did win Best Actor? Uh, Will Smith. Will Smith? Yeah. Will Smith. Yeah. That was... I've not seen that movie, so I can't it's, say. Well, like, didn't, should not have won. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just all this cast is great. Um, you have the entire group at the... Um, this, is it the Moonrise? The Sunrise? I can't remember the diner. The, uh, Moonrise, moon, I believe. Moon, moon Day? That sounds... Moon Dance, Moon Dance Diner. Yeah, that entire Someone cast. Write it which and let fun, us know. <laughs> which fun connecting point is also the diner that Mary Jane works at in Spider Man. Yes. So of course it is incredible. Everything's connected. That's now so he's gonna good. get Tom Holland in a movie with the Moon Dance <laughs> Diner, and we're set. <laughs> they they yeah, were good. Full circle. Oh Jesus! Yeah, Christ. So that entire group crew in there is all from Broadway. Uh, Michaela uh, Rodriguez. She was in um, a couple different things. She was in Rent. She played Angel in Rent at one point. Um, mm. I think Robin De Jesus. Oh, I think they also played Angel, but they were also in Rent, and they were the original Benny or an no, original, not Benny, the original. Um, and in the Heights, they were one of the main characters. I forget their name. Oh, they were. Uh, That's very cool. Oh my gosh, who was the cousin in that? I can't remember the character's name. Like the the young yes cousin. Yes. Uh, that is Sonny. Yes, Sonny. He was the original Sonny. For I thought Anthony Ramos was the original. Or no, was Anthony Ramos? Anthony Ramos was in the, uh, was later on in the and then he was also in the gotcha. Yeah. Um, the more I know. Yeah, it's just shocking. And then like most of Broadway is in the the scene with Sunday. You have just about everyone but Patty Lapone in that scene. Mm-hmm. Which is still yeah, it's just back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> yeah. It gets to a point where I'm like, okay, I was like, this is cool. Yeah. This is cool. And then there was Phil Pasu and, um, oh my God, I can't remember her name from the Skylar Sisters. Renee Elise yes. Goldberry. Yes. We're in the scene. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, we're getting a little far here. This has been like two straight minutes of just Broadway people. <laughs> For me, it was like all of the little dialogue moments that held just a bit too long mm-hmm. on the characters where I'm like, I don't think you would have written this like this if you weren't planning for it to be like the guy who plays Hermes in Hades town. Like if it was just a random actor, I don't think that scene would have gone that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think like you have to have those actors there for that scene, for the song to work so well, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a, it's like, man, either make the scene not as good or make the song not as good, which I'm glad the song's as great as it is. Cause it's an incredible song. Rules. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the entire soundtrack is incredible. God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and last night Morgan had texted me and brought this up. Talking about the direction, I think the framing of the entire movie is kind of weird. Yeah. If you don't already mm-hmm. have a touchstone of what's going on. Because... I think... I agree. Because it's using um, it's using um, uh, tick tick boom as a as a as a framing device to tell the story of the making of Suburbia, right? And then mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Which like once <clears throat> once that clicked for me, I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. Um, I, I get it now. Um, I, I mean, I I think. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm, yeah, you're good. I was lost in thought. You're I fine. think. I think to like discuss and i i'm not super familiar with tick tick boom as a broadway production Mm -hmm. um but i did google it i like read the wikipedia article about its structure some comparison points it has to this um so if i get anything wrong the internet lied to me i know quite a bit (laughs) so i'll chime in if i know anything that i said because my understanding of tick tick boom is that tick tick boom is in a lot of ways, it is what we're seeing. Um, it, it is at most a three-person production, mm-hmm. which is essentially what you see where you have Andrew Garfield and Vanessa Hudgens and the other guy who I know is a Broadway dude, but name escapes me, but he's a great voice. Yeah, he's a great voice. But um, Joshua Henry, by the way. It's Thank you. Yep. Um, and it's the... Basically, it's the story from like leading up to the 30th birthday leading up to the uh presentation of the of superbia and basically that amounting to like no actual offers that's all what tick tick boom classically is Mm -hmm. and then what's added here is a obviously like all of the other characters that you see in different scenes and stuff because it was just like a very simple production but also the needing to write a final song is added for the movie. Yeah. Okay. And, and then like the, the over, like there's the weird thing for me with this movie is that there's two narrators. You have the framing device and narrator of John within the presentation of tick, tick, boom, the stage production. But then surrounding that you have Susan's narration Mm -hmm. at the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. And that's added. So essentially because like when when Tick Tick Boom was made, rent didn't exist, um, which is like the version what we're saying yeah, is like so in presenting from, it from my rent exists. I think it was Larson's one man show was called Tick Tick Boom also, and what mm-hmm. we're seeing the three the three person show, if I'm if I remember correctly, is that came after that came afterwards that came after he died I'm pretty sure. Yes. So rent was already I think, going. I think it's I I could be wrong. I think the Tick, Tick, Boom, the one-man show and Tick, Tick, Boom, the three-person show is fairly similar. They just, like, divide the characters mm-hmm. more and have, like, more actors, obviously. But I, I could be wrong. That's not an area. That As I'm we discuss more about it, like, the fr- I'm, I dislike the framing more <laughs> as we talk about <laughs> it. I really I, – I respect – again, it's hard to know what will and will not work until you've done it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So – I really respect, even though there are decisions I think I would not have made from the get-go, I respect the ideas that they wanted to try and push and, like, the experimentation they were going for. And I think it's a very classic, like, first-time director trap to fall into of, like, I want to, I want to A, make my mark with my first thing, so I'm going to experiment, but also 
I need to figure out what my voice is. So I want to experiment to like get a feel. Um, and I get that, but do I like the framing device? Um, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I, I just like it more as we talk about it much more. The, I think I would like it a lot more if Susan's framing device wasn't also there. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. if it was just tick, tick, boom, if it was just, okay, you know what? We're, we're going to get into my fundamental issue with this movie. Um, and bear in mind, I think this movie's good. I just think that this movie could have been great mm -hmm. and uh, it got held and it was held back. I think that Tick, Tick, Boom in its original form, and I realize I say this as someone who's not actually seen it, but like reading about it and seeing the pieces that are in this movie, the original form of Tick, Tick, Boom is a guy, is it's written by a guy who has not found success yet. And it is about him grappling with his relationship between him and his girlfriend and him and his best friend. And those three stand as like very significant pillars where like Jonathan Larson is the artist who continues to pursue art. And also like, to be clear, like they kind of tell you this in the movie where they're like, this is the story of Jonathan Larson, except for the parts he made up. Mm -hmm. But yeah. like Tick, Tick, Boom was made to be semi autobiographical. Johnny, it was never made. Yeah. It was never presented as like, this is me. Mm -hmm. It was, it was this is a story pulling heavily from my own experiences. Well, right, because I mean, so, even because even after this, to to interrupt real quick, like even after mm -hmm. uh, he gets he gets the call back, um, and she's like, oh, he's like, I don't even know what to write about, and she says, write about what you know, and this is mm -hmm. what he knows, and he's writing like, yeah, exactly, yeah, and like this is him writing about the experience of writing Superbia, which is like, which from my understanding. Cool. Which, from my understanding, also wasn't in the play. I don't think... Yeah, I would imagine not. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think... She, I think she might have existed as a character. I'm not clear on that, but I know that. This is in the original show. Oh, okay. So there's some sort okay. of superbia in there somewhere. Superbia, superbia exists, from yeah. my understanding. It's just that, like, like there's still the lead-up to presenting superbia. That, that is still the core drive. And then, like... Superbia not getting any producers after that is still part of the original show. Mm -hmm. It's just the the writing the song is never part of it, which I think was a bad addition. Um, yeah, it it also is used more as like a nod to like, look, he's almost got rent. He's almost got it. He mm -hmm. almost got one song glory at this one point. See how close he is to rent? This isn't about rent, but we're gonna sell it like it is. That's the thing, is like the the movie is framed so heavily around like he will eventually go on to create like to create rent they want it to be mm -hmm. an uplifting movie which i understand that instinct because they're like he did this thing but you're fundamentally designing it around a play that was not made to be uplifting it was made to be a man struggling to find success grappling with the decisions he's made and the decisions the people closest to him have made mm -hmm. and the decisions um, he refuses to make. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Johnny can't. Decide. So I don't, Johnny can't decide. And I, I think it undermines a little bit to be like, like, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> is interesting because if you look at this movie and if you look at Hamilton, the main characters are very similar. Mm -hmm. They're both writers they're both flawed characters. Mm -hmm. um, they're both people who have like an obsessive need to write, which I think Lynn relates to a lot. And 
I also think that like both stories are designed in a way that even though they show the flaws of their protagonists, they are fundamentally hero worship for them. Mm -hmm. Like, like, yes, Johnny, like, like I, I feel like watching tick, tick, boom, which is weird considering that they added the rent details. So that almost should have made it more melancholic, but they're like, yeah, John, he did these things. Um, that was a bad sentence. Like John <laughs> made these choices. John made these choices. And, you know, look, he, they might've been hard, but he went on and made rent and rent matters now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but he also, like, I, I know you pass it off as like, it's a sad thing that like he died never seeing that, but also like, was that the right decision? Like he could have gone and had a happy life for however much time he had mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. potentially with Susan. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't have too. Maybe he would have gone and resented the choice the entire time he was there and then died unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, cause... so I'm not saying one or the other. I'm just saying, I feel like this movie fundamentally carries with, with it the belief that the creation of rent was important and was the right path. Mm-hmm. Like all he did and, all this so that he could change Broadway forever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I'm jumping around a lot. Sorry. I don't know You're if we want to like go through the movie beat by beat. No, There's a scene. This is better than <laughs> this cool. is great. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scene at the end when when I've been thinking about this movie a lot in the past couple of days mm-hmm. for preparing for this, and I'm just like dumping all my thoughts. There's a scene when he goes to um God, I did so much thought. I can't remember character names right now. Michael. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Cool. That's his best friend, yeah. He goes to yeah, yeah. He goes to Michael's uh, apart or not apartment. He goes to Michael's job, and he's like, uh, "Superbia just didn't get producers." And he's like, "I want your job. I want the BMW. I want money." And from my understanding, in the original production, when that scene happens, Johnny says i want what you have and michael says i want what you have they both are kind of regretting their decisions and in this one to a degree i like that the movie decides to not have theoretically i like the idea that it decides not have michael waver he is happy with what he has Mm -hmm. you don't need to pursue the arts but because it makes that decision in order to still kind of have the same like end note he now is like, no, I was a mediocre actor. You're John Larson. I like yeah. that thing you just did that I listened to was amazing. You have to pursue that. And it creates, instead of it being like, look, decisions are hard and you're going to, reg- you're like, you're going to carry regrets with you no matter which decision you make. Michael has regrets and John has regrets now. Instead of that, it's now become like, no, this is your destiny. You're John Larson. You're too good of a, mu- of a writer to do anything else. And it's like, okay, I'm not sure that's yeah. how that works. Yeah. yeah and and also, like, I'm it, sure it, in the long run, it kills ahead. him. It, I mean, it, it just really yeah. kills yeah. him. Like, the yeah. Stress, and I'm sure he probably had that him. conversation with like someone in his life. You know, I'm sure he probably, mm-hmm. I'm sure Jonathan Larson had a conversation with someone where he was like, he had a thing that fell through and he was ready to give it all up. And someone was like, well, no, but like, you're good at what you do. Keep, keep pursuing, like do the thing, stay on track. I'm sure that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like whenever it's coming from, whenever it's coming from like his friend who has, you know, who, who gave all of that up. And also 
like you said, it's constantly struggling with uh, or carrying the idea that, you know, all this matters because rent matters mm-hmm. um, in, in the end. Which also, I've, I've seen rent. It's fine. Yeah, my opinion, like my opinion is I enjoy Tick, Tick, Boom more than I enjoy rent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. I, like, as, I say I've seen rent. I've seen the, I've seen it like as a touring Broadway production. Oh, sure, sure. It's fine. It, yeah, and like I think uh, I think I think rent as a story is like is good and it's fine. I had you know I had a good time watching it for the show and recording an episode about it and like everything. Mm-hmm. But like watching watching Tick Tick Boom, like it is just so much more of an enjoyable experience. Uh, mostly because it is it is shot um, in in the year like twenty twenty um, <laughs> or twenty twenty one. But also because like the music is better because it had a lot more like musical passes, I'm sure, like in production and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, Lynn Manuel like rewriting some of Larson's stuff, like just so that Larson could get like a writing credit and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but but yeah, like I, I 100 percent agree just to bounce back. Like I 100 percent agree that, you know, that particular scene it's like it's like they were trying to like get in there that like we want to have like an emotional speech where a friend tells Jonathan not to give up um which you're right does mm-hmm. ultimately kill him but it's coming from it's coming from this friend who is so vulnerable and and I feel like you know if that conversation uh really happened the way that it had originally happened for this movie I feel like you know him having the conversations like I want what you have and then telling him you know, then opening him up and being like, you know, I have HIV and mm-hmm. and really like I think that would sell it so much. I, I agree. Like as much as I have like no notes on this movie, like I, I 100 percent agree that would be that would be so much more of an emotional payoff in a way um, because they've been struggling for so long uh, with Michael trying and trying and trying to get through to Jonathan and tell him that, you know, he has HIV and ultimately not getting to do that until after John, until Jonathan is it's convenient for him until Jonathan is mm-hmm. like pouring his heart out in his friend's office, screaming at the top of his lungs, extremely selfishly. And just for Rob, mm-hmm. just for, just for Michael to be like, but you're Jonathan Larson, dude, <laughs> you know, like, which, yeah, it, it does sour that grape in a way. Yeah. I think the marketing for the movie really made Jonathan Larson's character a little bit, or the, the character it makes for the movie, not the actual person, obviously. It makes the character a little mm-hmm. bit more, um, not as headstrong, almost scared, but not in mm-hmm. like the introspective yeah. scared, like in the actual, like, I'm scared I'm gonna fail, but uh, I don't know. And then the movie makes him a lot more like pushing through, you know, basically stepping over his family, or his, his people mm-hmm. to yeah. have I, this dream he wants. I will say to that point also, like, I, I think. I have two big, if I could change two things about this movie, one would be the framing. Cause I don't think you need the double framing. Um, I also kind of would be interested to see this movie go a little bit, potentially go a little bit further mm-hmm. with, with the narrate. Like it, it's a weird middle ground. It's in where instead of, cause it could have just taken all the music and made it a full, like, jukebox musical kind of thing mm-hmm. much like um much like the elton john movie where it's just like yeah these songs are going to happen and originally he did perform them on stage where there were a lot more like presentational but now there's happening and that's our story i would have been interested to see it go a little bit in a different in like further with the narrator and instead have 
potentially, and again, this is to the point I was making with like, it's hard to know if something does work until you've done it. So I'm not necessarily sure this would have been the right decision, Mm -hmm. but watching this, I'm interested by the idea. Making the narrator be someone kind of like an omniscient being in the scenes. So instead of it being like, we cut back to Jonathan Larson on stage, it's like, no, Jonathan Larson is in the scene no one sees him, but like he's like no one in the scene sees him, but like he's there mm-hmm. talking to us, taking mm-hmm. us through his this time with him. Oh yeah, yeah okay. instead of having to cut back and forth. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a a touchstone reference here, kind of like the Elvis movie is kind of like that. I know it's an odd poll, but the most recent one's kind of like I've that. not seen it. So I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's I want to see it. It's his, it's his manager on his deathbed recanting the story of his life, and it's kind of mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the same vein. That's just for anybody who was not seeing it. There's a a touchstone for you yeah in, there's a in the sorry no you're good real quick the frame in the framing device like uh what brought up this conversation with zach and i is i i had no idea that it was you know it was him telling the story of of suburbia like and the movie being this narrative of him creating something which like which is like yeah i think um i think in a way like in theory in theory it works really well and it pays off um but whenever i'm watching it my hope for what it was before I had figured it out, my hope for what it was in some like cheesy way. I know, I know we talk about like, I talk about musicals and sincerity, but like in a very cheesy way I, or a corny way, I was kind of hoping that like, Oh, well this is the, this is the play he's writing. And like the song that like the song that he is like the song that he is struggling to write over and over and over again and cannot write because he cannot make a decision because he is completely indecisive and has no control of his life that will pay off at the end of this whenever we finally catch up and then, oh, this is the work, like what we are seeing has been the workshop the entire time, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and then have it pay off mm-hmm. that way. Um, but obviously that is not the story of Tick, Tick, Boom, right? And so like... The thing, the interesting thing is though, you're saying like, and again, this becomes a complicated thing because like I think, like you are allowed to adapt something when you when you change it to a different medium. Mm-hmm. So like... One of my favorite movies is Little Women. Yeah. Credit Gerwig's Little Women. Shout and out. like she changes that. So I, I tip her critical of me to be like, you can't touch something. You can't focus more heavily on a character as a writer. But th- when you say like Tick Tick Boom is about the creation of Superbia. And again, I know that this is a weird thing for me to say because I haven't actually seen the Broadway production. <laughs> sure. But the Broadway production, it sounds like to me, and like what Jonathan Larson created, it sounds like to me, isn't about the creation of Superbia. Mm. It is about a man's relationship with two people and it happens to also be in the lead up to oh, yeah. presenting superbia. Yeah. But like needing to write a song isn't a part of it. It's just like, yeah, he's doing this thing right now. Mm-hmm. And the core relationship, the core story is his dynamic with Michael and with Susan. So it, I, I think it's a very fundamental shift, whether they realize it or not mm-hmm. with this movie by including that song, because also like scenes have been added with that song songs have been added in relation to that song Mm -hmm. that have really shifted i think what this movie fundamentally is about from the play which is about uh an indecisive man not sure what's the right decision written by a man who doesn't really know if he made the right decision into a movie about a tortured artist struggling to make a, a musical and then failing but succeeding at the same time Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that stems from 
Lynn Miranda and the crew behind the mm-hmm. movie wanting to showcase to people like this is what he made before Rent. This is the stuff yeah. that, that kind of mm-hmm. got lost in the shuffle of Rent happening and exploding and you know making such a huge mark is that there was also this beautiful thing before it that well in theory it was beautiful it, no one really knows it no one has seen it except for that small group of people and it's now kind of a loss to time almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's a really kind of beautiful thing because it's again yeah it almost allows Jonathan Larson to if Superbia comes on it becomes something more than just a bit in this movie but it becomes more in the pop culture and things it's almost his second ability to uh, ability to make a mark again mm-hmm. which he probably would have done if he hadn't died which i'm sure there would have been oh, one yeah. great another great one and then who knows what next but right. there never was which is kind of mm-hmm. heartbreaking mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah the story the story of like jonathan larson i mean the story of any artist i mean uh, name aside uh, it doesn't matter if he made rent or not like the like the story of any artist struggling to make a thing and then you know being able to like make a thing and then eventually make it big and achieve his goal and his goal was rent in a way um that was like his if if we're going off of the the story of tick tick boom you know his goal is to have something on broadway or off broadway something influential something huge before he turns 30 and you know him turning 30 is kind of like his crisis of the movie and you know to ben's point earlier is that one thing that I did find a little striking um, about midway through the movie it's like oh this kind of isn't about him turning 30 like this kind of isn't in a, about him mm-hmm. like him um, you know struggling to find success before he gets wrinkles you know this because because what I would have loved so much more is and I think the things that I do love the most are like all the character building and like the relationship building Mm -hmm. with you know with with Susan and Michael I think those are like the best parts of the movie um and for it to get away I feel like it gets away with from Jonathan's internal struggle a little Mm -hmm. bit in favor of like in, in favor of just like writing the song. And I know that like, I know the idea is that, you know, if he writes a song, it's going to solve all of his problems and he's not going to be able to write the song until he solves all of his problems. And that's like the whole thing. Um, but also like, which, which does suck. And that does take away from, uh, from that. And then whenever he's swimming in the pool and he sees the number 30 and then all of a sudden it comes to him, I was very confused <laughs> whenever, <laughs> whenever that happened. Um, it's the only song I think that wasn't in the original, cause which makes swimming? sense. Cause like, yeah. you don't need that song in the original production cause that's not right. And, um, but also like to the point of that song as unneeded and like how, like how original that song was, I will say the performance of that song had me very, as someone who was like completely like, you know, completely unbiased on, on musicals or, or Lin-Manuel Miranda or, or anything watching that scene and seeing like, first of all, you put a camera in Michael's face whenever he's crying, I'm crying like that man. Like he is like his, like his face speaks volumes every, in every scene he's in, he's just like a wonderful actor. Um, and so like seeing his reaction and then, you know, the shift back and forth between, you know, uh, Vanessa Hudgens and, uh, Alexandra ship, like who Alexandra mm-hmm. ship, I feel like we haven't talked about enough, like absolutely 
kills in this movie and oh, i think she should have had more exactly and that's mm-hmm. what i was getting to she yeah. should have had more um yeah and i also kind of appreciate I, as someone who grew up watching no no disrespect to our queen vanessa hudgens as someone who did grew up watching high school musical i'm very i'm very glad that you know she is she is a back seat in this movie even mm-hmm. though if you look her up look it up on imdb she's number four on the bill you know yeah. and i feel like she has such a such a smaller role than even like I mean, uh, or Ira, right? And Ira's like two two rows down, or, or whatever. Given I know mm-hmm. this this stuff is probably decided, you know, very differently. But like, whenever you think about this movie, it's like, oh, is that the movie with Vanessa Hudgens and Andrew Garfield? Because that's mm-hmm. because you see the clip of them um, of them singing the duet, doing therapy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed scene. that she was so understated. But I would have loved so much more of Alexandra Ship because she just stole every scene she was in, like mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I wish that no sh- come to your senses had done yeah, more of her song than yeah. I agree entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really. And good I point. think that's that's a weird thing with. I kind of wish she was okay. How do, how does this work? <laughs> so like in the in the original Broadway production, the actress who plays Susan is also the actress who plays Vanessa Hudgens' character. Mm-hmm. Um, so because like. Because there's Vanessa Hudgens' character as she exists in term in relation to Superbia, mm-hmm. which does exist in Tick Tick Boom. She is a character, but then she like, I guess within the narrative of this, she becomes friends with him or was friends with him to begin with. I don't know. Yeah. And now is also like doing Tick Tick Boom with him. But I kind of wish that that Susan had like that that. Um, Susan had been the same actress as her on the stage if you kept the stage, which again, I'm not sure I would have. Yeah. But, and that would have gotten complicated. <laughs> you would have had to figure out a way to like clarify that. Um, I think the way you'd probably have to clarify that is have Susan show up like at the end, it cuts to like her standing in the, in the doorway, like watching it from a corner. And I think you'd have to have like some kind of physical item the green dress or something he gave her the last time we saw her or something mm. to denote like, Oh, okay. That's the real Susan. Yeah. We've been seeing the stand in who is the w- woman playing it on the stage, but this is Susan. Right. But either way, it's just, it, it, it felt like a weird disconnect to be going back and forth between like this very emotional yeah. song to him. And then also Vanessa Hudgens are there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. Which I also know with therapy. Like, with therapy, cutting between, like, their actual fight. Because I, I watched a clip of therapy um, as it was originally staged that they showed on, you know, one of those talk shows. that's like, we're going to show a scene mm-hmm. from Broadway, like, on the street of New York. Mm-hmm. And in that, the fight is the song. Like, oh. there's a lot more... There's a lot more complexity to the vocal performances. It's a lot more of like they are pushing each other and testing each other and like fighting through these words. Whereas this is much more of like you have the scene of the fight and you have the scene of like the caricaturized version Mm -hmm. of how John has decided to interpret it. Um, And I kind of would have liked to have just seen the fight yeah that's the song yeah because i do feel like having having that caricature over this over that argument 
it takes yeah, away from that it argument. Cuts it, it, really it, bad. it cuts it super hard yeah. and it stilts it. I mean, yeah, it stilts the hell out of it. Um, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Cause, cause whenever I was watching it, I was kind of like, I really kind of wish that I could just have one of these or the other at this point, mm-hmm. you know, cause or like, even if you go ahead, even if you do one, even if you do the fight and then have the, like the way he's interpreted it after the fight, mm-hmm. like without intercutting, I don't think, I, I, I think I'd prefer to just like streamline it down to one, but I think I'd prefer back to back over the inner cutting mm-hmm. if i had to mm-hmm. yeah i could see that yeah because you could do mm-hmm. the fight first and then for context for the song you could then go into the song mm-hmm. after right like i feel yeah, like yeah and you can see him being like are you thinking of how to make this into a song right and then it cuts to the song yes which would have been oh my god which would have been such a brilliant move would've after she storms amazing. out violently pissed that yeah. makes way mm-hmm. more sense yeah and i think it would also kind of show us even more jonathan's real not real real character sounds like i'm saying he's actually a bad guy but i think it would kind of get rid of that hero kind of complex mm-hmm. the movie gives yeah him, or the mm-hmm. movie tries to make us a, agree with because he's on a pedestal through this whole yeah. thing and literally the, yeah and the thing is like one of my problems with the whole song storyline is like it makes me agree with him more than i want to yeah because when the storyline is I have this song that my producer and Steven Sondheim both <laughs> told me I need and I'm struggling to get it out by a very specific deadline. Like at least for me as a writer who has struggled to like write something or at least struggled to write something good. I'm like, I understand how you could be like sitting here like constantly getting nothing out. And you're just like weighed down by the knowledge of like, you need to get like, you've put together this whole production. You've done all these things, you know, and two people who are very important, one person who is possibly the most important, mm-hmm. told you you need this and you don't have it. And I think that's a lot more easy for me to like sympathize with than if it was just like this thing's coming up in a week and he's being hyper like perfectionist about every little detail. You know, yeah, he's trying to get all the musicians he wants. And like there's that scene when she comes into the rehearsal and she's talking to him or Susan comes in the rehearsal and Susan's talking to him and he like dips away for a split second to go make a note yeah. to the pianist and then comes back. And that's, that's what I want the whole movie. I don't want like him struggling to write a song because I can kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. But if it's him, if it's him just like never being present, cause he's so hyper-focused on every single little detail, even though he can probably let go just a little bit, like, that feels more nuanced. That feels more like I get it. I understand why this is important to you, but you are sacrificing everything for the sake of like a, a small note. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. I, th- I think overall, I'm going to kind of hit our last point here. I think the movie is, it's It's good. It's very good, mm-hmm. but there is, it is. Yeah. The, I, I think if it, it was a more seasoned director, I think mm-hmm. it could be really, really great. Mm-hmm. But for a first time directorial debut, it's pretty fucking good. Like that's impressive. Yeah, as hell. yeah I I would say so. And also like, um, and you know, to the point of the direction, uh, really, it kind of does seem that you know, actually hearing criticism of this is like you know really really bringing out a lot of me. But uh, about what mm-hmm. I actually thought about this movie, and so like, you know, 
thinking back to, you know, the different scenes that feel stilted because of like intercutting and stuff like that. At a certain point, it kind of does feel like Lin-Manuel Miranda as a director has not learned to trust the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, and there's a, there's a lot of lack of trust in there whenever, you know, whenever he very, very much explicitly needs or feels he needs to put in the song to put in, you know, and, and on top of that, you know, the framing device. And on top of that, whenever the song Mm -hmm. happens, things, this is, these are all things we've already touched on. Like the fact that, uh, the fact that the, the changing, the cutting in between for the, you know, for come to your senses, that song fucking Mm -hmm. rules. You could have just had that song Mm -hmm. and for him to be like, no, we need to like, I need the audience to understand that even though, Jonathan has not had a relationship with Vanessa Hudgens' character on screen uh, for much at all other than the line where she says, hey, man, when can I read that song? (laughs) And she never gets Mm -hmm. to read it until the day of. Um, And then for him to for like for the direction to then be, oh, well, then he is just going to project it as if he is seeing Susan in that moment, Mm -hmm. which is understandable in a way. But it also like builds no no trust in the audience. Now, if now if like I'm not sitting here, I'm not going to say that he should have written uh, that we should have written in some sort of dynamic between Vanessa Hudgens, character and and Jonathan Larson, where I think there was. There was. Well, I I was thinking, was there a romantic relationship? No, No, but in the original play, in the original play, there is jealousy from Susan about Vanessa Hudgens' character because (sighs) Jonathan Larson, that's that's what their original fight is about. And from my understanding, why couldn't we have had that? I I think probably they just didn't want to do like the, oh, he's friends with a woman and now she's jealous. Because it was like, it it reads very much like that, where Mm -hmm. it's literally like, I think they're. I think he and Susan are having some issues, mm-hmm. and then he bumps into this. He bumps into uh, Vanessa Hudgens' character in like a bodega, and like they, they, she was already on the Superbia thing. So he's, she's like, they're like, oh hey, you know, like we're working together on this thing, and they like bond, like they click. They're just like, oh, we have like things in common. Yeah, and it's very much, from my understanding, it's like they bond as friends, and then Susan sees them together walking out of the bodega, and is like, I'm upset. Yeah. So I get why you cut that. Yeah, you know what? That makes a lot of sense too. Because because even I was thinking like thinking more so like yeah, I wouldn't necessarily write it as a romantic relationship, but writing it as as some sort of even just as an established friendship with no strings attached. Not even mm-hmm. have you could still I feel like you could still make that dynamic work and then just not have Susan be jealous about it. Whereas like mm-hmm. he like maybe you know maybe he has some sort of like an internal struggle where. Um, he comes to realize that, oh yeah, like I've been spending time with like literally every other person here. So of course I see all of these qualities that I see in Susan in, in Vanessa Hudgens' character, um, I think as a friend. To a degree, you can also argue that like, again, going back to the fact that I just don't like the inclusion of like writing the song as a problem. Mm-hmm. If we take this story without the song being written, which means that that song just already existed that was already part of the musical. Mm-hmm. I think you can also, I think it's a lot easier to also convince the audience, like this thing he wrote six years ago, not thinking about this moment in his life now has weight in a way that it didn't before. Right. So he's hearing it in a new way for the first, for first, the first time. Whereas in this context, because he wrote it literally the night before it's like, <laughs> well, obviously these are the things you're currently thinking about. So why is it like, revolutionary to you hearing Vanessa Hudgens sing it 
But if it's just this isn't a song he's thought about for a while or like really paid attention to for a while. Mm-hmm. And now here it is in front of him after all these decisions and all this like upheaval in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Almost also, as an afterthought, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, also, I want to note Sunday, that song in the production, the original production is how they introduce the diner. And that makes so much more sense. Oh, yeah, I like that a lot more. <laughs> That's so much better. It's so awkwardly placed in this. Yeah, it's like, all right, everyone can be on set this day only, so we got to shoot. Yeah. We got to put it here. <laughs> I made I made note. There there are three. You, you could argue two, but I'm going to say three. There are three scenes at the diner before we have the Sunday number. Now, technically, one of those scenes feeds directly into Sunday, mm-hmm. but they still feel like two distinct mm-hmm. scenes. It's just... It make more. It makes so much more sense to like have it established that like he has this waiter job, and then when you first get to see it, it's him singing about like all these people here and how he kind of hates it. Yeah, yeah. It's... I love the I love the little Richard Kaplan uh, thing in there where he's just like, uh, "This isn't math." <laughs> and he just and yeah. he just super doesn't give a shit that it's Richard Kaplan. It's so funny. It's never not funny. Yeah, that that scene is great. Um... But it also, I want one last Christmas before we wrap up here. That also sure. is my other, my other big issue, which is for a movie not about rent, there's so much fucking rent references, references yeah. in it that it drives me crazy. And I know it's because rent, a lot of it is based off of his experiences living in that apartment. But him calling Michael Pookie at the beginning, the um, entry machine being spook, just a lot of that small stuff just kind of drove me crazy and kind of pulled me out. If it was about mm. making rent, I think it'd make more sense. But with rent being literally the last two seconds of the movie, it mm-hmm. just doesn't work as well as I think it should. I think that it's really interesting, theoretically, to make a biopic that isn't about a person's entire life, mm-hmm. that is about one moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that Tick, Tick, Boom could have stuck much more heavily to what it originally was, which is. A, a moment in time, even if you do more closely acknowledge that it's Jonathan Larson, like just saying it's a moment in time and it's not, it's, it's not about rent. It's not about all these things. It's about a struggling artist and we might know what he became, but that isn't, we don't need all of that. I think that would have worked better mm-hmm. for me. And again, like I'm saying so many criticisms because I think that <laughs> tick, tick, boom at like, I think what Tick, Tick, Boom is at its core, um, like that already existed before this movie. So I think what Tick, Tick, Boom is, is really good. And I think in a lot of ways, this movie is really good. It's just, I think a lot of the thing, the changes that were made between the play and the movie hurt it overall. So I'm like, if I'm talking about the movie, I need to talk about like the changes. And I dislike so many of them. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. I think it's it's still I think it's still a really good movie. I still love it. There's a reason it's mm-hmm. on this the series of our top movies of last year because it's one of my favorites. It's the best musical of last year by a long shot, even though I love In the Heights with all my heart. But um I like West Side Story the most. Uh, I hadn't seen West Side Story though, until after we did the show. But West Side Story is phenomenal. I've watched it so many West times. West Side Story is so then. good. I I wish so badly that he who shall not be named wasn't that yeah i I, also, I watched it again last night and I was like, ah. it just yeah is such yeah, a of course sore on that movie he's not even that good he's so bad <laughs> he's 
so bad in the movie. It could have been anyone else. It could have been, literally, it could have been Platt in there. Fuck it. Don't do that. Oh, Absolutely God. do not no, do, don't that. do that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. Uh, ben, thank you so much for being on here. <clears throat> Before we go, of course. we have um, this new segment we do called Hey, That's Pretty Good. Um, it's oh, we wow. kind of talk about uh, one thing real quickly that's not the movie we talked about from recently oh, that okay. you have, whether it be movie or a book, a TV show, a video game, just life, something in life in general that you've really been enjoying. Um, I, if you want to go last, you can. I thought you were going to, I can go now. Go for, go for if it. You want. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to force me to talk about something in this movie that I really like. Oh no, we I did that already. <laughs> that's another podcast. We did. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's like Ben, come back, tick tick boom part two. You cannot say a criticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> tick tick boomer. Um, G. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just binge watched uh, season three and season four just because like, it was an easy thing to put on in the background while I was doing work of Young Justice. And let me tell you, DC, DC's got some good shit, man. I need to DC's doing it. some good work. Uh, I don't like season three that much. It's kind of like it's not bad, but it is not up to the par of the first two seasons, which I really like. But season four, season four, it, it pulls it back. I, I season three feels like a spinoff. It wasn't. Is that the one that has the subtitle? <laughs> is season three the subtitled season? That's like season young three Justice and something? four both have okay. subtitles. Yeah, three is actually two might also have a subtitle. I don't. I remember, remember one and two being on Netflix. Three is Young ago. Justice. That sounds right. Uh, three is Young Justice Outsiders, which feels very spin-off-y. And then season four feels much more like a course correction. Um, it kind of reminds me of Attack of the Clones. Or not Attack of the It reminds me of the Clone Wars. Oh, I was like, oh no. Like, I was like, that's so, yeah. not a good thing. No, it, reminds me of the, <laughs> it reminds me of the Clone Wars in the sense of, like, there's four episode-ish arcs Ooh. that you get. And, like, they tend it, you get a bunch of characters, but each one kind of focuses on, like, a core or core two characters from the original team. Um, it's good. Young Justice is really good. I love DC Comics. They're great. <laughs> I need to get back. In I want comics. more DC stuff. God damn it! I was hooked on that show DC's when it so first good. started up, and I've not watched it since. It's great. But it's a good time. I would assume that's on um, HBO Max, right? Yes. Yeah. It is on HBO Max. Of course, yeah. Of course. Of course. Morgan, what about you? Oh man, um, I haven't had a lot of time for much of anything lately, so I guess I'll do two quick, uh, two very small, quick things. I moved. Um, I have Let's my go. Own, I finally have my own place. Thank fucking god, it's been a long time coming. Um, and also because of that, um, tangentially onto the other one, um, I was able to play guitar again for the first time in like five years, um, and that's been really cool. Um, my hands cramp up way easier than they used to whenever I was. 16 but uh but it's been fun been uh been really good to just go back and play play landslide on my yamaha and um and maybe like some modern baseball or something like that it's been it's been really good really therapeutic to just sit like i have no couch in my living room yet so i've just been (laughs) i just like i just sit in front of my boss katana and i just i barely crank it so my neighbors don't get pissed and i just (laughs) uh, i just riff for maybe about 15 minutes a day it's been very therapeutic it's been very nice Fuck and yeah, that's awesome. yeah it's been it's been really good i'm hoping to get a couch <laughs> very soon please pray for me <laughs> will do um and zach what about you dude so you're in the middle of watching this so i won't say too much about it but the bear on hulu god yeah man fuck that's a good show i watched the entirety of it <laughs> i've last seen tweets night. about this what is this show um so it's lip from shameless i don't remember the character the actor's name 
uh, comes back mm-hmm. to take over his brother's restaurant after his brother dies. And he's like a French chef. He's like a f- French trained chef who comes to work mm-hmm. at this little beef sandwich shop in Chicago. And it's fucking incredible. I watched the first two episodes <laughs> before this podcast recording and uh, it's very good. It um, if you're if you're like if you're familiar with like cooking YouTube or like chefs or anything like that, Maddie Matheson mm-hmm. has a a co-starring role. He's in on there. a lot of the show too. Yeah, and it's it's just really nice to see like <laughs> to see Maddie Matheson being really obnoxious, just like he is in real life. And it just it and of course like I, and another thing is like Shameless for me was like extremely stressful to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I have anxiety. And <laughs> it's a hard show. I've never gotten back to it. I watched like two seasons. I'm like, no, we can't do it. That I shows a lot, it. man. And uh and to finally see like see that actor really just kick ass. He's fucking and like great. Because he's so good and shameless. Like he's he's such a good actor. And, and like and so now I can be like, oh, I can very comfortably like this show. This mm-hmm. is very good. Like I love I love the ins and outs of like restaurants and, and, and things like that. And the bear is just, it's funny. It's like, it's extremely funny. It's super fast paced. The episodes are like 25 minutes. Like, yeah, I watched it all. I started like seven o'clock last night and midnight. I finished last episode. So it's it's a quick watch. It's eight episodes, half hour. Uh, There's one episode. That's that's very doable. Hulu FX on Hulu. um, Also Andrew Garfield involved uh, under the banner of heaven. It's another FX on Hulu show. It's fucking Mm. incredible. Gotta watch that too. But yeah, that is that is my uh, that's pretty good for this week, guys. Um, Ben, for starters, hello. Thank you for being on the show. Where can people find you? Thank you for having. Uh, Yeah, so great to have you. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to not to plug myself, but uh, feel free to have me back. I (laughs) want I want to do more podcasts. I miss podcasting. Oh yeah, we love to have you Um, back. Yeah. Hell yeah. This is how I force my way in by recording it on audio, so you can't <laughs> yeah, get out of it. We can't get out of it. Of course not. <laughs> we can't get out yeah. of it. Oh, that's. Funny. I can pull. I like the episode will go out, and I'll be able to just pull it up. Like, hey guys, remember how you said this? <laughs> you said you'd love to have <laughs> me. Idiots. Your pen tweet forever now. <laughs> yeah. I promise to have a more functioning microphone when that happens. Anyway, people can find me uh, at Bendabel on Twitter and on Instagram. That's like Bend A Bell, as in like like beauty and the beast bell it's a combination of my first and last name it's it's a whole thing don't worry about it <laughs> um yeah you can find me occasionally on dead meat content Ooh. not often the tiktok you can find me on the dead meat tiktok and that's that's me fuck yeah morgan you can find me at peaceable lake on twitter um similarly been my old my old twitter handle was just my name backwards and hey, saying hey that hey, was... hey watch it <laughs> 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 I always only losers have that. I'm so glad you were able to escape from it and really grow as a person. It takes a certain kind of maturity to accept that you can be more creative than just reversing your name and calling it a day. And all it took was for me to read revival by Stephen King. That's all it, (laughs) that's all it took. (laughs) Zach. I thought you saw, uh, Mort, the, the anti-prom and went, it's dead. (laughs) Morp. Yeah, no, no. I was I, as much as I was an edge lord in high school. I did go to prom proper twice. Hey, so did Good I. Let's go. Yeah, I didn't. I did not go. I would have taken you to prom, Ben. So would I. Thank you. You're welcome. That's so sweet. <laughs> Zach, right. where can people find you? you can find me on Twitter at y r o k a z underscore n w o r b. 
God, such a fucking long. How'd you come up with that name, Zach? Zach Rizzo. You know what? Film. Next week, <laughs> next show, next show. Um, we actually start the two-part finale of this season, guys. Um, we're doing Midnight Mass, and I am terrified. Ooh. We're because doing I have been, mass. That's fun. I've rewatched it twice in the past three weeks. I and I'm going to start another rewatch this week. <laughs> I can't fucking wait. I'm um, so excited. I have tried to sell this show twice this weekend, <laughs> like <laughs> already, and I cannot wait to finally to finally like rewatch Midnight Mass proper, take proper notes. Um, and just tear it apart, especially with you, Zach, because after you've watched it three fucking times, so <laughs> I'm very so, excited because because we even made the, like you made the conscious decision not to have a guest on this one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I want because to be us to yeah, dig in. Be, yeah, because we don't That's like cute. Ben. All like all due respect to you know your type, um, which is guest. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that is a joke. We we just like I feel like just the two of us that'd be like we were able to get real intimate. You know, we're going to get real naked on this podcast, Zach. You're not here for a threesome, I understand. Yeah, not for, yeah, not yeah. for Midnight Mass, at least. Mm-hmm. Now, this, show is totally. a, this show is a poly relationship, but sometimes it's okay to go mm-hmm. monogamous. Sometimes you just need that one, that, sure. those two hands. But, uh, if you, <laughs> I don't think taking a weekend away is, is you know, breaking your polyamory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. That's a good, exactly. that's a good way to put it. Um, if you guys want to prep for that show, by the way, we're going to do episode one through four. For the first mm-hmm. part. So to prep, if you don't want to watch the entire thing all at once, you know you should. Um, episode one through four would be a good a good bit. Also, read mm-hmm. Stephen King's revival if you want. We're going to mention it, I'm sure. Oh, God. How could we not? So, yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Ben, thanks for being on. And uh, Thanks for having me. We'll see yeah, you guys dude. in two weeks for Midnight Mass. Part one. More like Midnight Ass. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa.